Welcome back to This Crip Life. This episode is Accommodations Part 3 with Vicki Young. Vicki is a friend of mine who is disabled and got accepted to go to law school, but she needs accommodations in order to do that. In part one and two, we discuss what it was like for her to get accommodations when she started going back to school. So I met up with her the other day and it had been a while since we talked. And so we caught up on different things and we started talking about our experiences with medical care. Before you can go to school, do work or do anything, you have to figure out how to manage your disability and your medical care is part of that. Unfortunately, a lot of medical care professionals have trouble understanding that every person does not fit in one box and what works for one person may not work for another one. So listen to my mine and Vicky's conversation about our experience with medical care. Warning, Vicky and I do not use kid-friendly language in this episode of the podcast, so don't listen to this with your kids unless you want to. Now we will get to the podcast. <laughs> the law school part. The law school <laughs> podcast. I have to say that so I know where I end up, where we start. Instead of me jim jam jammering about whatever we were talking about. And um, yeah. how are things with you besides, like, before we start the law school stuff, like, how are things going with you? Iffy. Um, I know I told you I got concussed at the beginning of October. Like, literally went roller skating, ate shit, landed on my butt, and got a stage two concussion. Um, like, it's so nice to know that my brain is located in my ass. Like <laughs> this is my second concussion from falling straight on my butt, um, which I will say the first one, cause like the first one I had in high school. So it's been, a, it's been like a decade since my last concussion, but mm -hmm. this one was, and like, I felt kind of hard, but like, I just kind of laughed about it. I thought it was funny as hell because there was like this little girl who kept eating shit at the roller skating rink and so I was like trying every time she would like fall she would like get to like start to cry and I'm like you're safe good woo and like would just try to like be funny and it would like get her to stop laughing or mm -hmm. I would just start cracking up when she would fall and she would look at me and be like and I'm just like dying of laughter which like I do think it's funny when people fall anyway but like I thought I thought it was even funnier when she was like wiping out but it was like helping her not like cry so I was like you know what I'm gonna keep doing it so like the guy running the rank saw me go down and I was not getting up because I was just laughing and they were like trying to do like a basic screening or whatnot went to bed that night woke up the next morning like splitting head pain I knew something was wrong and right. um, basically uh, it took me like a month, a little over a month to get into a neurologist. The ER and like the doctors that I have told me it was just a bad migraine because I didn't hit my head. And I was like, it's a whiplash concussion. And they're like, no, no, it's not. I'm like, I fell on my ass on concrete. That's going to be like whiplash concussion. Um, and well, it's happened to you before. So you exactly kind of know in that. Yeah. Way. And the one doctor was just like, so he goes, you fell roller skating and think it's a concussion. He goes, where'd you get that brilliant idea from watching the NFL lately? And I was like, 
<laughs> you know, not everybody is obsessed with the NFL. <laughs> yeah, and I was just like, bruh, I was like, so a decade ago, I did basically the same thing. I jumped for a header with this other girl and we both missed, completely missed the ball. And we then fell on top of each other as in she fell head first into my knee and I fell flat on the ground like butt and fall like fell straight into a seating position she fell and cracked her forehead into my knee and was unconscious on my body as I'm sitting there going oh shit the world is spinning right now and I knew there was a human being unconscious on top of me and I was like I can't even like move her the athletic trainers like ran over and they're like doing me I was like I mean I'm I'm like jumbled but like I was like attend to her please like she is unconscious she woke up like a few seconds like a little bit after the athletic trainers came over and they're like you know doing the normal like checking her for a pulse and everything like that and after asking me a bunch of fucking questions our coaches had like run over my coach was like yeah you're fine like they did me they did a screening for me right there on the field and they were like yeah you passed so like no concussion and then all of a sudden like the world just kept getting brighter and brighter like someone was hitting the increased brightness button on my screen mm. and then by the end of the game because I went back and finished the game like I didn't feel good I felt like I was gonna be sick my head hurt everyone was really loud everything was really bright went to the ER and they're like dumbass you have a concussion you have a stage one concussion why did you go back in the game and I was like because they didn't tell me I was like I didn't know like athletic trainers cleared me to go back they told me to check in tomorrow with my ATs like my coach cleared me to go back in like I was cleared by all of these officials so I just like went back in and that's when I learned what a whiplash concussion was that shit sucked I hated it um and so I knew this time around that's what was happening and this doctor was like well you know we're the ones with the PhD and I was like the ones with the MRI machine. <laughs> yeah, and I wish they didn't do a CT scan. They didn't do an MRI. They didn't do anything. And then, like, I was still having symptoms like a month later and eventually got into a neurologist. That's from the second time? Yeah, this is the second time. Oh, okay. It took me a month to get into a neurologist this time around. Mm-hmm. And they were like, yeah, we're going to do a bunch of testing. And I told them about my epilepsy and they're like, yeah, that's a huge concern because when you have epilepsy, your rate of concussion, of serious concussion increases drastically. And they're like, so like, don't do things that involve you getting hit in the head. I was like, damn it. I really wanted to become an MMA fighter. Like that was on my bucket list. Was getting punched in the face. Like those like slap games on ESPN. You put the mouth guard in someone just like, boom, and wax your face. I was like, those are my career goals. Like, sorry. And eventually, like, I was out of school for three months, completely out of school for three months, wasn't allowed to do homework, wasn't allowed to do anything. Um, And like, I got cleared to start pretending to be a law student again, January 5th or some shit like that. So a full like October, November, December. October, November, December, January, a full like four calendar days, four calendar months right after my concussion started 
and I'm on, they put me on like two additional medications and whatnot, which have been helping. It's just they numb your entire capabilities to give a fuck anymore. So like bad things will happen to me and I'm just like, uh, that's you. Like just not even phased by things anymore because like my brain, I don't think has the capacity to experience like fluctuations. It's really static right now, which is an interesting sensation when you're like, I know I should be overwhelmed and upset right now at all of the law school things happening, but I'm not. I'm weirdly calm and content and feel like I'm floating on air. Yeah, I think, I mean, because when I fell and had my injury, I hit my head and it wasn't a traumatic brain injury, but I, yeah. I, I still, you know, experienced some of the results from having hit my head. Um, but one of the things they were like saying, cause like, you know, all my relatives would come visit and like relatives mm-hmm. I haven't seen in a lot of years that I love and they would come in and it, it would get me really excited. I'm like, oh my God, you know, I wasn't caught but they I would just like get really so the doctors were like you nobody else can come in and visit her because it's exciting we're just trying to keep her brain at an so I I'm imagining the medications they (laughs) is doing the same thing so I'm like one of them is also meant to like help control my epilepsy which is hilariously the one that I can't get right now for some god knows god knows why reason I've been trying to get it refilled and like it hasn't been going well so that's cute um weird yeah super weird I don't know if it's the pharmacy or my doctor being like we only prescribed this to you because you were concussed and now you're like not concussed so I'm gonna be like no it's actually helping me like everywhere else and it's like a um anti-headache anti-seizure anti-anxiety medication and I was like I need all of those in just like one pill in conjunction with these other two pills like that was helpful like I didn't have like seizure auras every day like I was doing pretty great um and then like with the arthritis because I wasn't allowed to exercise at all for like two months I wasn't allowed to get my infusions either because apparently having a concussion means you can't take an infusion I didn't understand the correlation there whatsoever but I also like a week after I got out of the hospital for my head my concussion I got really really sick like cold blue symptoms my lungs closed my throat closed all sorts of just super fun symptoms to where we're like oh shit do I have meningitis do I have mono am I not get and then like I got treated for meningitis but they didn't ever tell me that I had meningitis but I was treated for it and it made things better so I still don't know if I had meningitis and I like survive or if I just they told me I at least had bronchitis and I was like I could have told you that shit but like I was COVID negative flu negative pneumonia negative the meningitis has came back inconclusive and like there's because there's a couple tests you can do for it and like the one that they that would give a for sure diagnosis is a spinal tap well they weren't sure if I had a spinal injury and or a low pressure headache during that time period because like a lot of my symptoms were lining up with having a spinal in like a lower level spinal injury or um a low pressure headache so they're like well we can't tap your spine 
because if we tap your spine, it'll mess with that stuff. So it like it'll make things worse. It can make it permanent. But, like we can't do the whole diagnostic test for meningitis. And I was like, can you just tell me if I have a disease that's gonna kill me or not? Because like I would just like to know, am I going to die like right now, particularly? And like then when they treated me for meningitis, I was like, so is this confirming that I have it? And they're like, we're just taking over precautions at this point. Um, which again, the treatment worked. So I'm not entirely unconvinced that I did not have meningitis, did not get a concussion and then get meningitis. Um, still don't know, still will never know if I actually had it or not. Um, but because of all of that, like I missed two months of my infusions and I think like six weeks of my methotrexate. So my arthritis has been a complete mess right now. And we're trying to get a new treatment set up. Basically, I'm getting pulled off of my infusions and we're trying something different, um, which, oh my God, my new rheumatologist, who she is the dumbest thing I have ever met that got a PhD and an MD in rheumatology. Straight up the dumbest person I have met in this field. She will straight up call me and be like, why are you taking Actemra? And I'm like, because you prescribed it for me. And she's like, yeah, but like, why did I do that? And I was like, because I have Judy, I have juvenile idiopathic arthritis and it's not well controlled by DMARDS. So, and the, I failed three biologicals. So you put me on Actemra to see if that would help. And she's like, huh, interesting. I was like, does that not ring a bell to you? Like that whole conversation. And she's like, well, have we tried you on Humira? And I was like, yeah, I failed that under a different rheumatologist. And she's like, have you tried this, this, and this? I was like, yeah, failed all of those. That's why I'm on a camera. And she's like, why are you on the methotrexate? And I was like, I've been on that since I was like seven. Apparently it's good at controlling my arthritis. I don't know. And she's like, do you think it's working? I was like, no. And she goes, okay, so I'm going to keep you on that. And I was like, <laughs> what the and then like two weeks later, she calls me back and is like, so I understand you're having a flare. And I was like, yeah. And she goes, have you tried taking your methotrexate? And I was just like, yeah, I take it every Friday. And she's like, well, have you tried taking it on the days that we tell you to take it? I'm told to take it on a Sunday. Well, I get really sick the next day after I take methotrexate. So I take it on a Friday night because Saturday, if you're kind of sick, you can pass it off as, oh, wow, I'm hungover. I was like drinking. And nobody going to ask questions it's a fucking Saturday nobody's going to ask questions and then by the time Monday rolls around like I'm over the side of it and I was like it's not going to matter if I take it on a Friday night or a Sunday night like that's not how the medication works it's like I've been taking it on a Friday night every Friday since I was since 2004 and she's just like oh and then asks me um asked me if I was aware of the risks of methotrexate and I was like you mean the ones related to pregnancy? And she was like, yeah, those. And I was like, um, I can't get pregnant. I'm not dating a man. I don't plan on dating a man. I don't engage with men in a way that will put me at risk for pregnancy. I think I'm good. And she was just like, what do you mean you can't get pregnant? She was, is that a concern we need to like follow? I was like, no. no I just told you I have no interest. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I have no interest in like that at all. So I don't really give a shit if I'm on methotrexate. And it puts me like methotrexate is used to treat ectopic pregnancies and induce an abortion in those scenarios. I was like, I don't care. Cool. Congrats. Great. Um, but like, I don't need it for that purpose. I just need it to like work my joint, make my joints work. And so I called her like a week or two ago, got her voicemail. She calls me back Friday night at 8 30 PM. 
while I am at work, calls me six times in a row from an unknown number, leaves a voicemail that goes, I'm trying to get in touch with you about your, and it's like jarbled. I have no idea what the hell she's saying. I don't even know who the hell's calling me because her name, she's like, this is Dr. Wool. And I was just like, speak clearly into the phone, please. Um, And like, I have an auditory processing disorder, right? It's really bad with accents. She has a very thick accent. I have asked her, especially on phone calls, to just slow her speech down and try to enunciate words clearer because it helps me understand. And she yells at me about how that's just inherently in okay to say she feels uncomfortable that I'm making a racist indication. Fun fact, when you're a patient and you're just trying to understand what you need to do for your health care and a doctor has an accent and you ask them to speak slower so you can understand, you are not not being racist. I was like, ma'am, six seizures destroyed my left frontal temporal lobe that's responsible for auditory processing. The accent processing part of your brain is located in the part that is destroyed. I don't understand a single accent. If it is not an accent that I heard before my seizures, so like an English, a German, an American, and it's not super thick, I can understand you. If it's not those, I have no fucking clue what you are saying. I was like, do you want the doctor's note from my neurologist about that? Because we have seven of them. Not kidding. I have many doctor's notes that talk about this. And she's just like, no, I just need you to be more respectful of me. And I was like, <laughs> okay, doctor. I need you I to just tell like, me what's wrong with Ugh. me. Thank you. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm just like, I still don't know what you're saying because you're not listening to me when I say, please just like slow down your words. And then, so anyway, I get back to calling her back. You know, why she's calling me on the weekend is beyond me. And I was like, so this is my scenario. I'm sleeping like 11 and a half to 12 hours a night. I'm super fatigued. My whole body hurts. My face hurts. My hands and feet are turning colors. Um, my arthritis is like flaring pretty bad. And I was like, and prednisone is not an option. Like I cannot, it does not work for me. And like, I get really bad side effects. And then that triggers my epilepsy and like, no, I don't want to do that. And she was just like, well, there's no studies that indicate that prednisone interrupts sleep or that it triggers epilepsy. And I'm just like, that's not what I care about. Like I, I told you my experience is that it doesn't work for me. And these are the side effects I experience. And you're going to tell me the research says my experience is wrong. No. Um, so anyway, she basically told me that there's nothing she can do for me. And that until I can get an appointment, I just kind of have to deal with it. And and that I should really just be taking better precautions in my daily life. And that if I had been taking my medication as I was told to, this wouldn't happen. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? Where Where are you getting this information from? Like, please tell me what you told me not to take my infusion in October or November until I was cognizant. Because like, they, I don't exactly know why, but like, I think it has something to do with um, the like medication and how it can affect your brain like they don't want anything bad to happen. I don't really know. But anyway, um, so they told me not to take it. They haven't really given me an explanation. The infusions aren't really working super well to control everything. And she's just like, that sucks to be you. And then <laughs> straight up is like, just take Tylenol. And I'm just like, dude, I'm immune to Tylenol. Like that shit doesn't do anything for me anymore. Like I have abused that medication so hard my entire life. It, it doesn't do anything. It's way high up for the Tylenol. 
Yeah. Um, here's the thing. Like my tolerant, my pain tolerance is also super high, but so is my tolerance for medication. So like when I dislocated my shoulder a bunch, I didn't feel pain. I was like, oh, this is just a daily experience. And like they did the surgery and I was like, did y'all do it yet? Cause I don't feel any pain. And they're just like, that's a problem. I was like, I know, like I need a ton. I need a lot of anesthesia to even be like knocked out. Right. Right. It's, it's bad. And like, I now have to go see this rheumatologist in person because she won't change my treatment plan or even like raise my methotrexate dose mind you I'm on 20 milligrams my hair is already falling out because of it hence the hat so we don't see my bald spot um I don't really want to go up on the medication but like you can take up to 25 milligrams and she was like yeah we're not gonna raise it I'm not gonna do anything I was like you can raise it over the phone like you can tell me to just start taking 25 milligrams take 25 milligrams instead of 20 like you you can tell me to do that and I will do it and she was like no but like the wait for a rheumatology appointment is like four to five months out and I was like I'm sorry you want me to suffer for another four to five months she's like well I think I could squeeze you in on a random ass Friday in February and I was like that's still a month away like what am I to do until then and she was like I don't know take a painkiller I'm like and then she also told me that the real problem was that I don't tolerate prednisone well and that like most of her other patients just kind of get over it like they get over the unpleasant side effects of prednisone and I was like it ruins my sleep and that puts me at risk of a seizure um no yeah it's just like your her other patients don't exactly have this you know that's the thing with doctors they want to fit everybody in this box of like prednisone that I mean that's happened with me like with my my spasticity they're like take baclofen and I took it and it wasn't working and you know or working significantly enough for me to notice anything and so I was just like yeah this isn't working for me and the doctor Uh, and then the, and then you know when I would go in and tell him again he goes well you didn't want to take the baclofen I was like I'd want to take it if it worked <laughs> it's like exactly so it's not like I don't want to take it but I don't want to take something that's not working so here's a question oh. to you because I I think we could turn this into three different podcasts but oh absolutely <laughs> <laughs> doctors suck <laughs> So my question to you is, do you ever take a medication where you just take it, but you're not really sure if it's working, but you're just taking it because somehow it gives you some peace of mind that I'm taking this and maybe this is why I'm able to get up and go do something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's the same with me. I do take the back with him now because my pain's so bad in the morning. And uh, Robert was my partner was asking me, Oh, does it help? I was like, I don't yep. know. I just figure whatever little there, what even if it's helping a tiny bit, that's that's a good thing because it's yep. just like all these tiny things I do to you know relieve the tightness will help oh. me get that. So that's how I am with the folic acid that they put you on in conjunction with methotrexate I don't think it does anything to be perfectly honest like I've never I still have bad side effects like but I still take it every single day because like that's what they tell me to do I don't think it makes a shred of a difference in my life but I still take it every fucking day 
like yeah, cool blockwork as people like us that are like you know we we're in the state of desperation in a way because you know we're dealing with all these things and we have things we want to do yeah. so we're just like i'm just gonna take this like and like i actually have this medication lyrica that i take that's supposed to help with my yep. pain as well but I actually, you know, because I don't have control of my bowels and that was like a huge problem for me when I had my spinal cord injury was getting that control. And I really constantly take Lyrica because I think it helps with that. It doesn't necessarily help with my actual nerve pain, but it does my bowel movements. I think, I don't know, like no one's probably done research on that. Yeah. Like just for me, like not taking it and seeing what's happening to taking it i'm like yeah i think this is actually help and i even told my neurologist i was like it's not really helping with my pain but it does help my bowel movements in the morning and he was just like okay (laughs) which like you know if it helps with that by all means like keep taking that (laughs) i know and then the other thing is like like what you were saying like the doctor was like oh, we'll take this. And you're like, I don't really, you know, where, where you're, you just know, just from having dealt with this for so many years, Mm -hmm. kind of know. And so like with my foot, you know, there is no real, real infection going. It was really infected when it first happened, but now I'm sure there's an infection because it's an open wound and you know, there's bacteria. So obviously there's going to be something there. But it hasn't gotten to the point where it's like really bad and like we need to worry. Like my first mm-hmm. doctor was like, we're in kill mode. We want to kill, kill, kill all the bacteria. So that's the state. But right now it's not in kill mode. So my doctor or it was a nurse practitioner was like, okay, I'm going to give you this antibiotic, but I'm not sure if it's going to actually, it's the right antibiotic yeah. for the kind of bacteria that's growing on your foot. But I'll find, I'll get the results. Like, like I went on like, I think it was, oh, it was a Wednesday I went. So she's yeah. like, no, by Monday. And if it's a different one, then I'll pres- prescribe you a different antibiotic. And I'm like thinking, so you want me to take this antibiotic yep. for four or five days? And then you're going to call me on Monday. And if it's not the right antibiotic, then I have to take another antibiotic and go through the entire length of time. So I just, yeah, I just was like, oh, I'll just go pick up that antibiotic in case it does. It is the right one. And then when she tells me it's the right one, then I will start taking it. And so it's really hard, like when, because we're like made to feel like doctors, they know, and they're going to cure you. And they have all the Mm -hmm. answers to kind of be like, no, I'm taking charge of this. I'm I'll decide. I think some doctors too are incapable of listening to their patients. Like my current GI. So I had the world's I don't know how this man got a degree or was ever like licensed to practice medication. Um, But I switched from that trash heap to another guy down here who I have stomach inflammation. We don't know why I have an inflammation in my stomach, but um, this new doctor down here was like, well, you know, we'll give you prednisone for it or not prednisone, um, Prilosec, which is a heartburn medication. And I was like, bro, I'm not having heartburn. Why are you giving me a heartburn medication? And he was like, well, you know, it'll help the stomach acid. I was like, I don't have a stomach acid problem. I have stomach inflammation, like pretty bad stomach inflammation. And he was like, well, you know, like this will all be solved if you just like poop more often. 
and then like so I don't Miralax doesn't do anything for me like I can take when you do those like colonoscopy clean outs I literally yeah. took a bottle of it and it did nothing like right. I took a bottle of it really quickly and it did nothing it's not supposed to do that um they kept telling me to just increase the dosage and I'm like no offense but this shit's expensive and I'm not taking a bottle a day just for it to do nothing like one dose a day is not working two doses a day is not working and like my old GI did the same thing of like oh we just gotta get you more regular and that will solve and I'm like this does nothing for my stomach that is the problem here and then they're like prescribing Linzess which like I've been on it the medication only comes in two doses the lowest dose does nothing for me. I have never experienced a simple bowel movement on that medication on the low dose. Then at the, its second dose, which is the highest one, it's just like uncontrollable diarrhea. Just awful. So I'm like, no, I'm not staying on this medication. My current GI was like, well, you know, you just need to like keep trying then. And I'm like, why am I going to take medication that I know doesn't work? He literally just prescribed me more Miralax. And I'm like, bruh, we've been over this. Like it doesn't work. And I was like, yeah, the Prilosec's not working. He goes, oh, then just like stop taking it. And I was like, I already did. Like, I'm just not waiting for your permission. Have not talked to him. When I straight up tell him things in like the my chart, like messaging, he'll like respond. And I'm like, did you even read what I just wrote? Where I'm like, Linzess does not work. And he's like, well, I just prescribed Linzess. And you look at the text right above it. And it's me saying how Linzess doesn't work for me. And I'm just like, bruh are you capable of listening to what I'm saying? Or do you, are you like getting bribed by like Miralax and Linzess? <laughs> are you like being paid sponsorship by them? Like what is going on? Why are you obsessed with these I two think, drugs? I think doctors like have a certain things in their toolbox, like for mm-hmm. you, for Miralax and this and that. And for me, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, you have specificity. So the baclofen and this and that. And it's oh. like, and if it doesn't work. They just keep trying to give it to you again and it's like nope. but I just said it didn't work it's find something that works and then when and they can't just say finally I did have a doctor my Latin neurologist I think it stopped seeing me because I was just like because I know you don't want to come in here just to get approved so you can take this medication and I was like yeah I don't want to come here because I'm in pain and it's, it sucks to come here and and like you know and I was kind of being sarc- you know being mean but sarcastic yeah and so I think he was I don't know if he just got freaked out by that or what but then he was just like yeah I just don't know these are all the medical he's like just try maybe try exercise and I was like okay and that was like just kind of like I was like okay you have no more answers now I can go do it just gives you this freedom to be like I can go do what I want to do now and I don't have to worry about what your perspective you know what your what your toolbox has is Uh, not for me so now that you just like go try exercise I will go try exercise so and then that was my my favorite shit solution just like when doctors run out of things they're like go do yoga go try exercise and you're like did you miss all of my symptoms like how do you think I'm gonna safely do that I know I mean for me it was an option but yeah it's just like when they don't a doctors have drilled trouble admitting like I'm sorry, I don't have any more solutions. I don't know what to do for you. You know, check in every once in a while. Maybe I'll figure something out. Or, you know, to have a doctor that actually cares about what's going on with you and kind of does more research out of 
outside of their toolbox. Oh. There are a lot of doctors that do successfully treat people and why not research oh. and find out? It's left to us to research and find out, I guess. <laughs> oh, the amount of times I have spent Googling like how to get rid of stomach inflammation and like causes of it and whatnot. And I'm just like, huh, now I just need to find a doctor who will listen to me. Because like what's really nice is that my current neurologist, I do really like him. I have a thing against male doctors. I don't believe in them. So I don't go to them. Um, <laughs> I fortunately don't give a shit of the gender of the doctor. So I'm just like, I have a good doctor. I don't care. But if I like do the math on which doctors like take me seriously and right, which right, ones are just right. like utter pieces of shit, it's like the men are predominantly just awful. Right, um, right. But like this one, so- my undergrad degree is in psychology with a focus in neuroscience and criminology with a focus in counterterrorism. So I tell that to my neurologist and I was like, so like, I kind of have a degree in this, right? Um, can we just skip the part where you like think I don't know what we're talking about and use like the correct words and shit? I was like, I can follow, I can cuss, but like I can still follow. And he was just like, huh? I'm like, yeah. And then I proceeded just like, he's like, oh, you know, what part of the brain? And I was like describing the exact name of the lobes and everything. And he's like, oh, he goes, yeah, maybe I probably should have like taken that more seriously. And he's like, so doc, I got a degree in this, but I'm not licensed to practice medicine. So like, I can't solve my own problems. And he does, he does now like take things into consideration and into advisement where I'm like, this is something that's really concerning to me. And I'm like, I extensively do research on things. Like I'm obsessed with medical research. If I was smart enough and healthy enough to be a doctor, I would be a pediatric rheumatologist, a hundred percent. But like, that's not me. I chose to be a lawyer. Why? I don't really know, but it seems like the easier path. Um, well, I think from this conversation, I think we can all figure out why you would be a lawyer. But <laughs> I know. Like, I would be an awful doctor, but, like, I'm going to be a bomb-ass lawyer. I'm just an asshole, you're and like, that's, like, a perfect kid, trait. You're sick, and this is what you need to do. <laughs> I would be so bad. And, like, I think part of it's, like, I went through a pediatric rheumatologist diagno rheumatology diagnosis, and I didn't have anybody, and, like, being able to be that supportive, like, yeah, kid, I went through this, too. You'll get over it. Like, it's part of what maybe I would develop some better empathy with children but like I hate children and I'm not the world's most empathetic person when they're in pain so <laughs> like, but maybe that's because you you don't feel pain probably I think it's because I am numb and law school has sucked everything out of me that I feel nothing anymore <laughs> But yeah, so it, it sucks when, I mean, like, I totally understand that frustration because with my neuropathy and spasticity, which is a common thing when people get yeah. for like 10, 12 years, I would go to doctors and be like, well, oh, it's irritable bowel syndrome and it's this and that. Yeah. And I'm like, isn't this from nerve damage? And so it was really great when I moved to Asheville because they were immediately like, oh yeah, this mm -hmm. is nerve damage. This is what happens. But you have all these strength in your muscles. So let's get to your independence. Fun fact, when you're disabled, your independence to take part in your community is so important. Just because you have chronic pain or illness does not mean you do not have drive to do things. The yeah. Pain, 
that, let us know, we'll just stop. And I'm like, all right, that's great. So that's what was great for me to move to Asheville because the medical community, or at least the medical community, I, uh, you know, because some people yeah. sucks, but like for me, my uh, primary care physician's really great. She that's does. Right like I'm like I think it's this and I think you know because I'm informed and she can tell I'm informed mm -hmm. and I'm paying attention and I think she uh, respects that you know and so and even with my neurologist I was a little snarky to him so I think he was like well I don't have any words to just go get mm -hmm. this prescription from your primary care physician because <laughs> I wasn't going to go see him anymore like there was yeah, no, no so um so yeah so I have been fortunate and even with my wound the wound care center here they're like really good they're really that's good and it's interesting because I'm not going to say the doctor's name but he is a male doctor okay. and um so it was interesting when I was going to this wound center there there was this woman who is also a nurse practitioner that kind of knew a lot of my common friends from the music art scene so it was really really fun having doctor's appointments with someone that you're like can be I didn't know her before you know I met her there but but she knew a lot of my common friends so you know it was kind of fun it was like more social in a way than just like yeah got so it was really great but then I hadn't seen her for a while and then she texted me out of the blue and she's like Priya I left there that doctor is a dick and he was so horrible and this and that and then I was like oh shoot and I was like, she goes, but I can, you can come see me and I can just take care of you. And I was just like, I don't think so because I'm on Medicare and Medicaid. Oh. They pay for everything. All my medical supplies are paid. For. Oh. They have, you know, they do culture. So they have a lab, like everything's oh. like, and she doesn't have access to that anymore. So, you know, I was nice. And I was just like, well, I really wouldn't mind seeing you, but I'm on Medicare and Medicaid. So can you give me this and give me this and give me this and give me this and give me this? Because if you can get me all those things, I'll be happy to go see you. Yeah. Um, she obviously couldn't do that and yeah. so so she's just like oh yeah no I can't and then I just out of being nice because I told you I already told you I'm too nice and so then I was just like well if you want to come and change my bandage because it'll give me a break from having to do that on my own yeah to have to do that every two days changing the bandage oh. so I was like, so yeah, if you want to give me a break and come and do it. And then when she came here, it was like really weird. She was like, I've been thinking about your wounds the minute I left. And I was like, mm, I don't really think so. Cause I, you left a while ago and you just contacted me. I really don't believe you're thinking about just me. I think you're thinking yeah. about yourself, which is fine. And it doesn't bother me, but I just was like, okay, well, that's cool. I think it's going good. I don't know. I'm not worried. But then she was just telling me these things, which I was, if I hadn't been through so much medical shit in my life since I, you know, since I've had a spinal cord injury, I, I was like thinking, what would it be like for me? Cause she was like saying, this is just taking too long to heal. And it's on the heel. And immediately they were like, this is like going to take a really long time to heal because it's on the yeah. heel. And also like you have nerve damage and like, 
your body is affected and like those slower healing processes as good so I yeah. wasn't really freaked out about how it was healing I just was like yeah it's healing it's getting better so that's all I care about so she's like I don't think he's doing a good job. I think he's ruining it. I think he it should be healing faster. And Robert was also in the room and he was also thinking the same thing. So I was thinking, he was like, what are you doing? So then when she, but you know, whatever, she gave me all the stuff and, you know, she didn't even do a good job of wrapping the bandage. I was like, oh, you did a shit job. Okay, whatever. Luckily, I'm going Yikes. to the tomorrow, so I'm not that worried about it. And she even told me, she's like, oh, this isn't such a good job. But since you're going to the doctor tomorrow, I'll just and so then I was, oh like, I was like, oh my God, now you're on your own. And if this is the way you're dealing with patients, you should really figure out a way to deal with patients so yeah. you know that's like you know people talk about ableism in the medical world and this mm. is like what i think the ableism is in the medical world is they doctors don't un understand the cost for you as a patient to go do oh. a bunch of different things just to clarify this is only one way a doctor or medical professional can be ableist blaming patients when their medications don't work or accusing patients of making up symptoms when they don't have answers are a few other examples of ableism from your medical professionals so you want to go do try everything but if you don't have the money to try it you're not going to be able to oh. so that's the disconnect and the ableism that is there and then with her i just felt like she's like oh no priya is on medicare and medicaid which she probably doesn't even know and that i'm oh. getting because of that i'm getting access to all this health care oh. be able to provide me because she's not in that system yet oh. and maybe she'll get into it maybe she won't i don't really know but um yeah so i was just like and so i found her actions to be really ableistic the way she was telling me it's not healing yeah. and all of that stuff and i'm like what are and you it just doing? like sounds so uneducated too like she doesn't know like the full ins and outs of your condition too so we're like she would probably if she did like she might know that you're gonna heal slower than like a different person who doesn't have the same conditions that you do like logic yeah yeah so yeah and I think that's where the ableism occurs in the medical world like you have these people that know a lot about something but you know their job is to deal with the patients not to like yeah. So that wraps up mine and Vicky's conversation about our experiences with medical professionals. Tune in next time where Vicky and I will discuss the accommodations she was trying to get for law school while she was dealing with all these medical issues.